The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garam Pero columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Andrew Radnich. Andrew is Managing Director of Venture Minerals. Venture trades under the code VMS and was last quoted at 5.2 cents for a market capitalization of 54 million. Venture is a company with a lot on the go. It has got looming iron ore production in Tasmania, as well as an advanced tin and tungsten project in the Apple Isle. Then we swing over to Western Australia, where Venture has an exciting basin precious metals project to the north of the Golden Grove mine, now owned by EMR Capital, and that mine's been producing for close to 30 years now. Also in WA, Venture has signed up with Chalice Mining of Julamar PGE Nickel Copper fame to earn an interest in its Southwest project to see if it too could be a new PGE nickel copper province in the making. Just a reminder there that Julamar has made Chalice a $1.3 billion company this year. So there's a lot to uh, get through with this one, uh, with what is an interesting mix of looming production in the boom time commodity of iron ore, as well as its high leverage exploration. So with that, I'm going to say good day to Alex and welcome him to the podcast. Hi, Andrew, and thanks for your time today. Um, great to meet you, Barry. Great. Okay, Andrew, um, always good to start out. I think if we can just give the listeners a bit of a feel for your professional background and how long you've been with the company. I've, uh, I'm, a, I'm a trained mine geologist, School of Mines Kalgoorlie. Um, I've been working in the uh, open pit, underground, gold and nickel initially my first, I suppose, 20 years of my career. And then I moved down to Perth uh, to, I suppose, to get a taste of the corporate world. So I started uh, with, with Hamish Halliday Venture Minerals back in 2006. So I've been with the company uh, ever since. I've also got a, a Master in Mineral Economics, uh, which hopefully helps me uh, turn those exploration hits into, into mines. Yeah, which is what it's all about, of course. Okay. I mentioned you've uh, got a lot on the go. Why don't we start with uh, Riley, uh, iron ore project in Tassie. Uh, small, but uh, sweet. Uh, run us through some of the figures uh, at that project. Well, yes, Barry, it's a, it is a, it's a quick-to-market opportunity uh, for investors. We've, uh, you know, we're, we're pouring concrete pads at the moment, so you know, we're heading towards uh, building a, a gravel washing plant, which will be completed uh, early next quarter and then looking to do our first shipment uh, towards the end of the quarter. But the project with, uh, with the August uh, 2019 feasibility study generated $30 million, but that was at $90 US price, uh, 62%, 62% iron ore price. Mm-hmm. And obviously today it's uh, just touched 160. So it's, let's put it this way, significantly more than that, than that number. So uh it's a great. Looks like we've got our timing right. It's, it's yeah. taken a while to get there, but uh, and and the reason we've we've had this opportunity is because, you know, we actually started this project in 2014. So all the permitting's done, and uh, we've got uh, an agreement for using the road and the port. So uh, we just need to build a plant and get on with it. Right. So all from there is trucked up to Burnie, is it? That's correct. Yeah, it's 120 kilometres uh, bitumen all weather road. 
uh, albeit not like Western Australia where we're sort of flat and broad, not mm. wide roads, but, uh, you know, it's smaller trucks and it's it's hilly, it's it's windy, narrow roads, but, uh, yeah, it, it is an all-wetter road, so it's still uh, it's, it's probably the cheapest way of getting it up there because it's such a small project we can't really afford to spend too much on, too much on mm. capital. And what is the capital cost? Well, the capital cost is, uh, at this stage, is uh, sub $6 million. Right. So at current oil pro- uh, iron ore prices, the internal rate of return must be off the charts. Oh, I think we've given up calculating it. It was 300% uh, back in August 2019. It's, uh, you know, at this point of time, it'd be maybe maybe four, maybe four figures instead of three. Mm. So it uh, stands to be a nice earner for the company. What's the... Uh, to use the free cash that's uh, generated by it, the, is that to be devoted to uh, more iron ore exploration in Tassie or are you looking to invest that money back over in WA perhaps? Well, look, we do have another iron ore uh, project uh, we, dis- we discovered called Livingston, which is just a little bit further down the road. Is a, there's probably, uh, instead of being a, sort of a flat ore body sitting at the surface, it's just draped over the, over the landscape. So like Riley is a uh, Livingston's more of a a, a pipe like shape ore body, so strip ratio is its enemy. But the top top five or six hundred thousand tons running fifty nine percent are quite economic at these prices. So if the iron ore prices are still good in a couple of years' time, we could we could feed that through to Riley plant. But uh, if that's not the case, we'll be using the the funding has been earmarked for Mount Lindsay. But having said that, obviously you know, it depends what's happening in WA. But at Mount Lindsay, we've got our our tin tungsten project, which has been the main flagship for the company, and we completed a BFS net back in 2012, and uh, we are, we have been looking at a smaller, higher grade underground version of that project, which will get the capex down to 50 million dollars, and, and certainly if, if Riley can make uh, even 30 million dollars, that pays for a substantial part of that. Mm. So tell us a bit more about Mount Lindsay. Obviously. Uh... Tin is now being seen as a, a future-facing metal. Tungsten obviously has strategic appeal. Uh, so for, what, $50 million, what sort of production would you be able to get, do you think? Well, look, the, the, the production will be modest. Uh, it'd be, you know, like something like 1,200 tonnes uh, per annum of tin and, and, and similar amount of tungsten. Uh, in terms of tungsten, it's significant. In terms of tin, it's not huge, but it gets the project off the ground and, and there's plenty of, uh, of upside potential there at Mount Lindsay. There's... There's a great target we uh, we delineated in our EM survey uh, back last year, which sits a long stride from Renison Bell. Uh, it's in the same rock units along the Federal Fault, Federal Bassett Fault, and, uh, and it's a great EM target. And that's an EM is, a, is is the exploration tool of choice down at uh, down at Renison Bell. So, you know, being a long strike, Australia's biggest tin mine, uh, you know, that's a fantastic target for us to add more mine life to that initial um, small project. So, uh, Renison Bell, that's about 10 k's away? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Mm, okay. And the uh, the timing of uh, perhaps uh, pushing a button on a development? Well, we've, uh, having done uh, so much work previously and spent $35 million on a project and done the uh, feasibility, I think probably another two or three years. We've got to do a bit more MET testing uh, mm-hmm. because we've, we've done a, we've reduced, made the process simpler, uh, purely gravity and using electrostatic separation to separate the tin and the tungsten. So we've got to do a little bit more work and we've got to do a little bit more metallurgical drilling. But the idea was that while Riley's being mined, that we'd push Mount Lindsay uh, 
towards uh, a final stage of permitting, get that completed, and look to start doing construction shortly thereafter. Okay. And what's your... Uh Tin is an interesting metal at the best of times. Um, seems fairly stable at the moment. $8 price is pretty good. But um, what's your view on the long-term outlook for tin? Well, tin's, uh, I think, is one of those EV metals that's pretty well unrecognised. Like nickel's having its time in the sun now, but tin's in the anode of uh, lead acid and 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 also of the lithium-ion batteries. And, and as we go to EVs, uh, there's about five times as much tin used in... Um, an electric car than there is in a conventional vehicle. Mm. And there's a little bit of tin in everything, but tin's main use, and it's about, let's say, half of the use, is actually in, in uh, the solder. And solder mm. is obviously in every piece of electronic circuitry that we have. So any, if we, as we go into the full electronic age, um, you'll find it, that uh, the use for solder will increase. And I and if the sustainable production of tins uh, is the way we're heading with, with all commodities... Um, not just tin, then um, you think that alluvial uh, mining of tin will, will eventually be uh, suspended or, or, or companies chasing responsibly sourced products won't be looking for alluvial mining because that has a huge impact on the environment. Mm-hmm. And about half of the world's tin is actually produced alluvially. So there's a, there could be a bit of a, uh, a supply crunch whilst demand is increasing, which is a perfect storm for tin. Mm. And tungsten is always interesting as well. Uh how do you see that price uh, performing in coming years? You know, tungsten's a very, very opaque market, Barry, and, and mm-hmm. certainly it's uh, like rare earth. Um, China controls the tungsten market quite uh, distinctly. And, and, you know, if Venture got a tungsten mine up and running uh, here at Mount Lindsay, and um, then it would be one of the most significant non-Chinese tungsten producers in the world. So that's how small the market is there. So... It's on the critical minerals list, um, and uh, and for that reason, because what's been happening with China controlling the rare earth and tungsten markets amongst some other commodities, um, I think tungsten has a has an important part to play, um, you know, in the rest of the world's uh, you know hunger for tungsten. And tungsten is a very specialised metal, and and um, it has the same density as, as gold, and it's very high. Uh, melting point so uh, it has very unique uses so that's why it's a strategic metal. Mm. What would be a rough revenue split uh, at Mount Lindsay from the tin and the tungsten? They're, they both have about 40% and the remaining 20% is from a magnetite byproduct so uh, which which pays for all the mining. Right okay so potentially a, a super low cost producer of tin and tungsten. Oh, by the time you put all those credits through, it's, uh, it is very, it's very competitive. And, and once you get over that capital hurdle, um, it's, it'll be a long-life project. Okay. Now, swinging across to uh, WA, Golden Grove North, obviously north of the, the Golden Grove mine, which I mentioned earlier. It's been around for 30 years. You've had some nice uh, exploration hits. Uh, what, what do you think you've got there? Look, it's pretty exciting. It was just, it's just a concept that we may have had a, uh, a Golden Grove lookalike uh to the north, as, as you say, we're about fifty kilometres north where we are drilling. Uh, we were drilling uh, previously, or just recently, and um, I suppose the first thing you want to do is you've got a concept, you've got some EM targets, and then you start hitting uh, the right rocks and plenty of sulphide, and then you know the first batch of results delivers up to seven percent zinc. Mm. You're starting to think that you're in the right area, and certainly you know, the system looks fertile, um, even though we've got sort of only a single meter, which was quite. Uh, intense in sulphides it was sitting in a in a sort of a moderate em plate 
at AUKUS, which is our which is our sort of a prospect I'm talking about at the moment. But that's sitting in, in an area that's sort of five kilometres long with several more EM plates. We've got another half a dozen EM plates which we were which were generating while we were doing this first bit of drilling out there. And and they're much stronger than what we have at the moment. So, you know, it's a great we've got a great starting point with that first uh, first line of drilling at AUKUS and we can just work our way from there. There's nothing, you know, for a kilometre to the north. There's no drilling for 300 metres to the south. Um, yeah, very early days. We're, we're pretty excited by the potential of areas uh, mm. delivering so far. So what is the uh, the forward program there in terms of drilling? We've uh, engaged a diamond drilling company. Uh, we were hoping to get them to, to work before Christmas, but they've had a big year, so the guys need a bit of a break. So on the 4th of January, we're, we're hoping to have uh, the rig up there and, uh, and drilling away. So... Um, so that's there'll be a campaign of, of shallower, if you like, closer space, so maybe 100 metre space lines uh, away from that drill intersection and trying to get those sort of thicker intersections and more uh, sulphide-rich zones. Uh, and, and what will uh, the RC rig will be doing, essentially confirming that we're in the right zone for the geology. And uh, from there, we'll uh, we'll go deeper to diamond. There's, there's, there's a fair bit of water in the area, so the diamond drilling probably needs to take over from anything that's about more than 200 metres deep, so the RC is a bit limited in what it can achieve. But, um, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see uh, the, the diamond rig joined by not only one, but two or three rigs down the track as we as results come through. Good. And the style of mineralisation is a VMS, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Now the, uh, what we're seeing in terms of, you know, you look at the results, we add up to, looks at 7% zinc, uh, nearly two grams of gold, you know, over 20 grams per tonne silver, uh, just under one and a half percent copper, and and then you've got the, the little sort of pathfinder elements where you've got a little bit of cobalt, a little bit of uh, you know bismuth, tin. Um, they, these are great indicators of, of the VMS, and, we, and we're seeing the, you know the right obviously the right morphology, the right host rocks. It is so it's certainly the signature looks looks very much like a VMS style. Right, and that's the same as Golden Grove. Exactly, and, and Golden Grove, you know that. Like I said before, that seven percent zinc. That's that's we've got a meter there, which is about the same grade as as the gold, some of the golden grove deposits. So, uh, like I said, it's a great start. It's really just a matter of getting greater thicknesses of five or ten meters of those sort of grades, and then we're on to something. Okay. Now down south in the, well the southwest uh, project where you've uh, signed up Chalice to come in and uh, earn an interest. What's what's the story there? Well, when when Julema was discovered uh, earlier this year, um, like most companies, we sort of had a look around and said, "Well, can we peg anything nearby?" And and, and Charles had already done a pretty good job of that. But uh, when I turned to my exploration manager, he said, "Look, look, Andrew, we've already got one down here at uh, on a Southwest project. Essentially, you look at a mag feature, and you look, you go back to the twenty first of July, and you look at the Charles announcement, and they put you know the Tor magnetic anomaly versus the Julema magnetic anomaly." And it looks like a dead ringer. It's an absolute, mm. you know, it's all, it's so obvious. And we thought, well, okay, well, in fact, we, we, in fact, we pegged a little bit more land because we see there's high crime, which indicates there's mapic ultra mapic rocks, same as Julemar. So we yep. pegged a little bit more land, which was available at the time, and and then we got a knock on the door, and uh, and uh, there was Chalice wanting to have a look at our data because um, we've already done a fair bit of work down there. We've already done EM survey, which got six kilometres of EM anomalies at the bottom end south end of our anomaly very much like what chalice has now um we've got a massive uh, sulfide intersection two and a half meters at half percent copper uh, with a little bit of silver a little bit of 
elevated gold, palladium, and about 0.05% nickel. So it's not, you know, it's sort of in the, in the ballpark. And we've got about 13 targets in that bottom 6Ks that, you know, haven't had a drill hole in them yet. So with so many targets that we didn't, you know, it was too expensive for us to drill. And, and back then we were testing a VMS concept because Tech had made a, a VMS discovery uh, nearby. Um, and But when we got a little bit of nickel in there, we couldn't quite work it out until until Julemar sort of came along. Mm. So you weren't uh, tempted to uh, try and drill it on a 100% basis? Um, uh, we got a lot of equipment. Chalice uh, well, look, Charles got expertise, the funding, obviously, and, and even more since then. But, uh, you know, Venture was very focused on uh, on getting uh, Riley into production, getting some cash so we can, I suppose, minimise dilution for shareholders. And, and you know, we've got a lot of projects and, and we thought Charles would make a very good partner. Uh, they've got to spend another $300,000 on that before, uh, you know, July next year. And they've only just kind of got onto the ground. So, and because we've got such an advanced project in terms of having done a lot of the early groundwork, we'll see probably maybe land-based EM and, and probably some drilling before the middle of the year. And and, uh, and at the time, I think when we did the deal, Charles were a dollar, and now yeah. they're four dollars. So it's sort of, I think, uh, had we done our joint venture last month instead of July, we might have had a different reaction. But you know, having said it, we've got one hundred percent uplift anyway. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. Now, uh, as I keep saying, you've got a lot on the go, and I can understand the rationale of bringing Chalice in there. But uh, like I asked you to pick your favourite child, which one of all your projects excites you the most at the moment? I wish you hadn't asked me that question. Uh, (laughs) Look, um, you know, we've we've been in Tassie there for a while, since back in 2007, and, you know, but certainly Golden Grove, uh, our Scotland Grove North looks looks very exciting at this, at this early stage, and and I, and I sort of it's ticking the boxes. It's starting to have the right smell and feel about it, and so internally we're we're pretty excited by that. And uh, and another project which which uh, just to show how many we have uh, the Coolum Gold project. Uh, oh yes, uh, I forgot to mention that one. Yeah, yeah, just just to the uh, east of Perth, two hundred fifty kilometres east of Perth, which was pegged originally for a. Uh, a uh, nickel PGE concept, so it still needs to have that looked at. We've got a nice golden on me there, with up to half a gram of golden soils, an XPHP uh, gold prospect, and you know we're we're pretty excited putting the first holes in that. We've we've actually got gold golden growth first, golden growth more first, sorry, but um, we're we're still looking forward to drilling those holes early next year. So, but you know, get back to the answer to your question, uh, golden growth north for us, we think delivers the most upside for the company. Um, so um, you know we are we we wait and see what Charles is going to uh, generate down on our Southwest project, but it's a very hard choice, very hard choice indeed. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how are you offer funding? Well, at the moment we've got about uh, four in the bank. Um, we we're trying to put to bed some financing for for the Riley project for the uh, for, for the capital and the plant we're building. We just started building, so that's. Um, yeah, we're well positioned, but uh, we get debt funding secured and we can allocate more funds towards the expiration. The last raise we did uh, a few months ago, we raised six and a half before costs with a combination of a placement and SPP. And and most of that we ring fenced for getting Riley into production, mostly to uh, for the first shipment, the working capital there. Um, and we've been working on um, 
the financing ever since, but uh, for the capital component. But uh, we did allocate, you know, some funds for the first program at Cool and Golden Grove North. Um, but obviously, uh, with success uh, in our first first few holes at Golden Grove North, we're we'll be fighting for that dollar to uh, to drill the next round of drilling uh, early next year. Yeah, well, it's always good to have a bit of competitive tension between projects. <laughs> um, all right, so bring it all together for us. Uh, what should investors uh, be looking out for in the next three to six months with venture? Well, for investors, they'll be looking for first shipment at Riley, and, and certainly at these current prices, very attractive. Even even at $120 where it was before, it's very attractive. And and getting that uplift of being from uh, explorer to uh, producer, getting that sort of premium there will help and put a, if you like, a base, base a great foundation under the share price. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so enjoying that, enjoy the benefits of that. But eventually you get not only a mining company, an emerging mining company, but you also get an uh, exciting portfolio of exploration projects. And you could we could be on the verge of a, an exciting new discovery in Western Australia, Golden Grove North. So any if we start getting, you know, several metres of, of massive sulphide at Golden Grove North, then, uh, you know, that's a great way of getting this company to a, over a $100 million market cap. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, folks, here we have it. Uh, interesting mix, as I said. Uh, the near-term production and uh, the expiration upside, which will unfold as 21 uh, uh, unfolds itself. So lots to look out for there. So with that, I'm going to say thanks, Andrew, for your time today and good luck with it all. Great. Thanks, Frank Barry. Great talking to you.